Hello and welcome to Celtic Down Under. My name is Laura and I am joined by Liam as we commence coverage of the final group for Qatar 2022. Today we'll be starting with Uruguay. I have to say, Liam, I, I, I rarely do this, but I beg mm. everybody watching this to please throw a like under this because, my goodness, we are we are stumbling over the finish line here. <laughs> I'm getting over the worst cold I've had in about two years, probably because, like everybody else, I'm not washing my hands the way I was 18 months ago and yeah. uh, you have got you're playing through an injury put it that way you've passed a late fitness test I, I've got pretty bad toothache at the moment and I've taken a, I've taken what my, my my local pharmacist ensured me was weapons grade painkillers but uh, they're probably about the same strength as Calpol knowing Japanese medicine so we'll just run with it and see how we go <laughs> yeah let's do it let's do it so we're covering Uruguay first um uh, and we're not we we ummed an ad about pretend like keeping up the magic of of production pretense and pretending that we weren't covering this last group after they've played their first game, but unfortunately we didn't make it. And uh, Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea and Ghana have all played their first game, so um, mm. we will be covering the teams with that in mind. But we will go through. The initial stages of of you know how how they got here etc cetera, etc cetera. and with that said let's pull up the the qualifying group for for Uruguay and have a little look about how they got to the World Cup not the most um not the most run of the mill way to get to the World Cup I have to say um yeah. because they as we've talked about and as has become so evident during this this um coverage that we've done they were in that South American group that includes not only the people who got to the World Cup, which is Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay and Ecuador, but you've got Peru, you've got Colombia, you've got Chile, you've got Paraguay, all of whom who I'm pretty sure have appeared at one or at least one World Cup in the last 20 years. So, um, yeah. you know, it's a tough group. Um, they eventually had to to knock Chile out on a, qual- uh, on a playoff. Um, but what do you make looking at that of the record uh, getting to the World Cup and what it says about their chances in Qatar? Well, I mean, there's no shame in coming behind Brazil and Argentina, um, unless you're Saudi Arabia, but we'll come into that later, <laughs> later on. Um, uh, yeah, just just a, a wee word to actually to the Saudi government. Uh, you're welcome, guys, because I'm sure my uh, my description of you as the worst team in the tournament was all the team talk you needed for that Argentina match. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, uh, one thing we're learning about these videos is we started recording these well-intentioned uh, at the start of November. <laughs> and within the space of about four days, we've been proved entirely incorrect about most of the things that we've said. So <laughs> still encourage you to, to watch them for a good laugh. But uh, Please gamble this. responsibly. Do not put money on anything I say here. <laughs> that's, that's, what we, that's, that's the risk we, we, we put ourselves through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not much to say about that other than if you... If you're the third team behind Brazil and Argentina, then obviously you deserve to be at the World Cup. Um, that that right. goes without saying. Um, looking at their um, their squad, I think is probably the next best option for us. Um, and mm. I thought I would find a, a version of the squad that brings up number of caps and age as well, because I think it's very relevant in the case of the Uruguay squad. So mm. looking at the, the squad so far, um, it's, it's interesting because... Um, we've got two 36-year-old goalkeepers and a 29-year-old goal- goalkeeper in Sergio Roche. I have mm. to admit, I'm not entirely sure which of those will be 
um, the the first choice. But given the number of caps that Muslera has and the fact that he's number one, I would suggest he'll be in goal. Does it concern you that, that they will be going with a 36-year-old goalkeeper or is that kind of par for the course these days, do you think? Considering that the team I support have a 35-year-old goalkeeper, it would hit a bit hypocritical for me to say that it's a fault. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 like, goalkeeper is the one position where you can get away with playing a guy who's 35-plus and he's not necessarily going to be any worse than he was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And and the same theme continues into the, the defence, as you can see. We've got Martin... Uh, sorry, we've got Ronald Araujo of uh, Barcelona, 23 years old and only 12 caps, obviously coming in for what will be his first World Cup. Um, but there are stalwarts like Martin Caceres of LA Galaxy, Sebastian Cuates of Sporting, um, and Diego Godin, formerly of um, of Atletico Madrid, and obviously now playing playing out his trade in the remainder of his career in, in Argentina. You know, it's it it it's a funny thing because I'm struggling to fully establish what I think between. You know, age being a factor and presumed uh, lower mobility of players like Caceres and Godin, combined with the fact that between them they've got over 250 caps, nearly 300 when you count them up together. Uh, what's right. the balance for you between, you know, the, the downsides of age, but the, the mix of experience that they've got there? Um, I mean, it's clearly a it's a conscious choice that their coach has made to go with an experienced squad above all else because the the whole profile of the squad from from back to front skews towards over thirty. Yeah. Um, and uh, now the question is: is that because, as I suggested, that the coach favours experience, or is it just that the the next generation of Uruguayan talent hasn't quite come through yet? Yeah. Um, that's the that's the question which this World Cup is going to answer. And based on that performance against Korea last night, where, to be honest, I felt either team could have won it, um, I really don't think Uruguay looked all that great, to be honest. Um, they looked tired. They looked like a team of veterans who are past the prime. Um, of course, not all the players that played yesterday were over, over 30, but they looked like a, a very tired uh, team by the end of that match and they looked a bit devoid of ideas against a very determined Korean defence as well. Yeah, um, I, I, listen, I, um, I'm i going to be completely honest due to working hours and things like that here in the UK. I didn't see the, the, the Uruguay-Korea match, but I understand it was a very attritional match and very Uruguayan in a lot of the way that it was played, <laughs> put it that way. Um, uh, yeah. And it seems to be a running theme throughout the throughout the tournament so far. Um, that and, and and I think this is probably a common theme in the opening games of the, the the group matches in most World Cups. But most teams seem to be more afraid of making a mistake than they do trying to score a goal. Is that fair to say? Uh, in the case of the bigger teams, certainly yes. Um, yeah. You, I mean, I think the two major shocks that we've seen so far with Argentina and Germany both losing their opening games. In both cases, they went ahead, but they were too tentative about going for the kill. Um, yeah, yeah. and their opponents came back and punished them for failing to kill them off in first halves in which they were both completely dominant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's 
It's um, going to be an interesting one to see what happens when you've got teams like Argentina who need a win out of their second game and how much they're more they're going to push for it. But let's go back to, to Uruguay for the moment. Um, mm. Moving on to the midfield, a slightly younger profile here with, with the odd exception, but they've got players uh, of, of really good quality like Rodrigo Bentancur for, for Tottenham, uh, De La Cruz of River Plate, uh, Lucas Torreira, obviously formerly of Arsenal, now of, uh, of Galatasaray. Manuel Agarte, Federico Valverde, who we know all too well from Real Madrid. Uh, mm. Matias Ficino of Lazio, uh, Diaraceta of, of, of Flamingo and uh, Canobio of Atletico Paranense. Um, I think this, for me, is a little bit more um, standard in terms of the mix of of youth and experience there that I think is what's required. Do you do you like the look of this midfield in terms of what it could possibly do for, for, for Uruguay, both in terms of defending and creating chances? Yeah, I definitely think that the midfield is, is Uruguay's strongest area and coincidentally it's also their youngest area. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's where they will, if they're going to do anything in this tournament, games will be won or lost in the midfield. Um, yeah. The defence is solid, but ageing. The front line is, with the greatest <coughs> of respect to Suarez and Cavani, the last World Cup should have been their last World Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you look at it here, again, between them, um, over 250 caps, but at age 35 and 35 respectively, and as we're seeing with FIFA playing games that are averaging closer to 100 minutes than 90 minutes at the moment, it's really going yeah. to prove difficult for them to 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 really last the course if if um if Uruguay want to go deep in the tournament. But with players like uh, like Darwin Nunez as as other options, Maxi Gomez as well, and and Facundo Torres, there's there's plenty of firepower there at a younger, fresher age that you could mix and match there, and I think probably um probably do not so bad. Um, I just wanted to bring this up just because it was a talking point that we were looking at. So I'm just going to pull this mm. up for you. It's a it's a table that I've found of, and again, apologies if this isn't correct, but it seems like from a pretty legit source, it's a table of the average ages of the squad, uh, the squads mm. at the World Cup. And just uh, so as that I can show you, um, Uruguay there are an average age, if you can't see that, of 27.8 years. Now, you might think not entirely a bad average age, but when you look at the teams above them, which are Tunisia, Belgium, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico and Iran, really mm. only only Brazil and Argentina have been talked about in serious terms as being winners of the World Cup. So actually in terms of people who are wanting to do really well at the World Cup, Uruguay are pretty far up the, the chain when you consider teams like Croatia, Germany, France, England... Uh, Spain are, are so much further down. Um, mm. Am I making too much of this age thing, or do you think it could really be a, a factor, especially, like I said, considering the, the, the length of the matches at the World Cup so far? No, I mean, what, what came across very apparently, and I, I watched the full game last night, so what came across very apparently to me was that Uruguay probably had technically more skillful players but the Koreans were coping with the endurance, the, the 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 duration of the match, and the the conditions, the heat and the and the the dryness, a hell of a lot better than the Uruguayans were, which yeah. surprises me because Uruguay, I think, is probably a hotter climate than Korea. But um, but yeah, the the Koreans seemed fitter 
and they seem to handle it better. And it's no coincidence that if you look at that table, the Korean team is significantly younger on average. Yeah, it's 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 some, something definitely to take into account. And especially when you look at Spain as one of the average youngest squads at this World Cup. And you saw mm. the energy and the verve they went out with to, to win that match against Costa Rica. They didn't just put them to the sword. They they, they hammered mm. them 7-0 and really made a statement um, and, and, and lived up to what we said of, you know, reviewing their squads. You think, I don't know if they'll do that great. And then as you're going through the squads, you think, actually, they could they could really do something at this <laughs> World Cup. And, and that seems to be the case. So um, yeah. looking at Uruguay for the rest of the tournament, obviously, and apologies if anybody can hear a horrendous noise going on outside. There's, um, I think, somebody's cutting grass across the road or something like that. But um... oh, is that what it is? I was, I was about to apologise for that vindaloo I had for lunch, but <laughs> that's not coming through. Okay. Um. So let's look at the fixtures that we've got. So just for context, obviously, um, Uruguay played uh, Korea in the opening match and drew nil nil, as Liam said. Uh, Portugal played out probably one of the most entertaining matches of the World Cup so far in beating Ghana 3-2. Um, mm. But next up for Uruguay is Portugal, followed by Ghana. And these are the current standings in the group at the moment. Um, obviously, Uruguay with a point sitting in third place. Bearing in mind they've got Portugal next. Um, Portugal will be keen, obviously, to to seal their, their qualification with a win. Can Uruguay stop that happening? Uh, they can, but I'm not sure if they will because both Portugal and Ghana showed enough in that second game last night to suggest that they could see off Uruguay. Um, mm -hmm. The really interesting thing is going to be to see how they do against Portugal because if they lose that game, they won't technically be out, but it's going to be very difficult to get through from that position. Um especially going to a final game where because Ghana have already lost a match, they are going to have to win the next two games to be sure of going through. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's not looking good for Uruguay at the moment, unfortunately. Um, it, it's the it's the real reality, isn't it, as we've talked about. You know, we've talked and talked and talked ad nauseum. I counted it up and we've done over 10 hours of content in the, pro in the lead up to this, this World Cup, trying to give everybody an idea of what's going to happen. But you can't really account for getting there, having three matches with which to decide your fate and then feeling like you're already stuck after one match. You only need to look at Germany and Argentina to see their World Cups are hanging in the balance as it is. So any team who's who's not as strong as them, somebody like a Uruguay, is going to be in, in an even more sticky situation. Yeah, and the, the thing is, as, as the you know, for want of a better phrase, the smaller in status nations have shown us at this tournament. Um, there are two ways that you handle this this pressure because it's basically three, for, for want of a better cliche, it's essentially three cup finals for these smaller nations. Mm -hmm. It's three opportunities. Forget about going to the later stages. It's three opportunities to come out and show the world that you're not a wee diddy team, right? Yeah. Now, in the case of Saudi Arabia and Japan, they stepped up to the plate and they proved it by beating teams that they sh they, had, they had no right competing with, realistically. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, then you have teams like Qatar and Costa Rica who, on the big stage, folded like a deck of cards. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what you were going to say. Thank God it was deck of cards. <laughs> Oh dear. Carry on, I'll, carry on. I'll, I'll, I'll leave your imagination to that one. Uh, right. Um, 
Oh dear. <laughs> Careful, you'll get yourself a hernia between laughing and coughing. Calm oh down. God, yeah. Right. Um. No. Uh. What was I saying? Aye. So it goes one of two ways: either they step up or they bottle it big time. Yeah. And the question now is for Uruguay. Their cup final is now coming up against Portugal. Are they going to rise up or are they going to bottle it? Because based on what I saw from Portugal last night, they're not invincible. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be got at. Um, and they also have the same problem as Uruguay in the sense that they have an over-dependency on a star player who has passed his prime. Yep. yep. So, but it's still one of the best players in the world, even though he has passed his prime. So that's the, that's the issue there. Um, but no, I, I think... Now, if, you know, if you'd asked me on Wednesday or Thursday, I would have said, I think Uruguay would go through this group in second place. Uh-huh. Now, honestly, it's a toss-up between them, Ghana and Korea, because they all showed that they're capable of beating each other, I think. But Portugal look a cut above the three of them. So um, it's hard yeah. to say at the minute. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a difficult one. The, the, the only thing I would say in Uruguay's favour in that sense is I, I have numerous occasions where I think at previous World Cups they've been underestimated and and, and they play in a sense that hasn't seemed to to change in the, all the World Cups I've watched them at, where they just the only word I can think to describe it is attritional, they are so hard to break down at times, they mm. are so they fight for every ball and regardless of age or anything like that, if you've got players like Cavani and Suarez who can take a chance when they only get one chance, it's yeah. so it's so dangerous to to underestimate them. And, and I wonder, I wonder if maybe perhaps we'll see um, somebody do that. Perhaps Portugal in the next match. Perhaps Ghana in the last match. Uh, who'll do that and, and come a cropper, as they say. Um, but I mean, what, what wins for Uruguay and Ghana in the next two games would blow this group wide open. Anybody getting the final set of games, it's anybody's game. Yeah, um, and, and the, you know? the strange thing about that is, is I don't think either of those are entirely unlikely. If you told no. somebody at a World Cup, Uruguay could beat Portugal and Ghana could beat South Korea, nobody's going to say, no, that'll never happen. It, it's, no. It, it could well happen and it could end up being one of the most open groups going into the, the last match. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, that said, I think we've covered Uruguay in about as much detail as we can. So um, we will we will crack on with the rest of the reviews. Um, I believe we've got South Korea up next. So Liam, thank you very much for joining me. Don't forget, everybody, um, if you are interested in doing so, even though the World Cup has started, we would encourage you to go back and look at the teams uh, that we've already reviewed, even if it's just for a wee laugh to see how wrong we were. Um, (laughs) Liam, thank you for joining me, and we will see you for the next one. See you then. Thanks.